On this episode of Rosie Week, we look back at the best of 2016, the most downloaded, the most listened to shows, look at a couple Snap AV acquisitions, overtime pay, and the acquisition of Harmon by Samsung. All that and more next on Rosie Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 47, recorded Monday, December 26, 2016, the best of 2016. Resi Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Middle Atlantic. This is Resi Week, the weekly look at news and information for the residential AV community. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host for this episode. Typically, it would be Matt Scott. We are giving him the week off for the holidays. Uh, like a lot of you, uh, everybody here at AV Nation is taking some time off, spending time with the family. So what we've typically done for our weekly shows, AV Week being one of them, Resi Week the other, is we look back at our most downloaded, most listened to, and most shared episodes and look at see what the stories in those episodes made the biggest impact. First up, Snap AV had two significant acquisitions in the last couple of months. Snap AV, there we go, has been making some moves. And uh, as you know, recently they purchased, I think it was about a year ago, uh, they bought Sunbright. Well, they just acquired another company. They purchased a Florida-based company called Vigilant. Uh, this comes to us from Residential Systems and our good friend Jeremy Glowacki. Uh Snap has, as I said, purchased this uh, intelligent surveillance equipment company uh, and is looking at integrating this into their Luma analog and IP surveillance systems. Jason, is this something that, you know, obviously Snap has been buying up kind of companies sort of left and right a little bit, um, but is this something where we're expecting to see this technology, which which seems to be quite interesting, in their Luma products very quickly, or is this something that is going to take some time to to hit the line? Yeah, I, I think without question, it's probably going to take a little bit of time. I think it's a brilliant acquisition, personally. I know that uh, surveillance is an increasingly popular category. We're seeing a lot of demand for it, and to have something like uh, what Visualint brings to the table in terms of that that analytics and, and taking surveillance to that next level by adding that intelligence to it as a very clear value add that uh, we as home technology professionals can can piggyback on. I think Snap AV has been doing some really good things in the area of surveillance. I know that um, the Luma line of, of NVRs and DVRs that uh, they showed, I think, originally at Cedia 2015 um, was actually one of my... Um, top stories coming out of there. I think they did a great job with that that app in terms of blending. You know, we've seen a lot of functionality come out of products like Dropcam and and now the Nest Cam um, that consumers really love. Just the really easy ability to go back, look at footage, pull clips out, um, and and surely these things are not as nearly as powerful as a a professional surveillance solution. But just having that ease of use on a client facing app uh, is something that I believe the Luma line did very well. And so I think this is just a move that can build on some of the momentum that Snap AV has been, uh, you know, building already with that line. And so I'm excited to see where it goes. Now, is this something where, you know, Jason, you kind of, you led into my, my next question with, you know, how it competes with a upper echelon security solution. John, 
is this something that this acquisition specifically does this help them hit a or, or go after a higher market whether that be strictly residential or also into the commercial space because of the analytics that are involved i think uh, absolutely i mean uh look as an integrator i i had used their products and tied them into our uh, control systems and some of the analytics that and the triggers you can get from that where it sees a person and can automatically flip your TV over to view that camera, um, you know, and not kind of and being able to discern from that from just any active or change in video uh, is extremely powerful. And, the, and these are features that, you know, once the end users really become uh, more exposed to, are going to begin to expect uh, from, from other products. Richard, is this something where, you know, Snap kind of for a long time had a reputation of being what it was. With the acquisition of Sunbright, with the ac acquisition of uh, Vigilant, is this something that is taking it beyond, you know, how it first entered the space and into something something more, something, I, I don't want to say better, but something greater maybe? I, I, they're maturing as a company. I mean, when they first came in, they were kind of a, a, um, a reference place for installers. You know, it had the tweaky stuff that an installer needed, and that was you know, kind of taking that bizarre approach, which was, you need a cable, you need this. And as they've grown, um, they have found that they have a unique place in the market as an alternative to dealing with multiple distributors, you know, or having to go through the distribution network, not necessarily having to go through a buying group if you're an integrator. So, you know, it, 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 they're looking to reduce the friction and the drag necessary for a lot of these integrators who aren't necessarily large companies, who can't buy in bulk, who maybe don't necessarily have a way to enter into a buying group. Um, you know, maybe the distributors aren't necessarily available in their area. There's not sales support or there's not showrooms available to them. Um, and, and with Snap, and, and the first thing that I thought of when, when I saw that this happened is they are really, really concentrating on their oversee network. Um, that, that entire platform is built on diagnostics and analytics. Um, so it's a natural dovetail, um, and especially because consumer awareness has, has grown. I mean, you not only have um, the drop cam, but uh, Netgear came out with a product called Arlo, which mm -hmm. uh, you know also works really well. Um, you know, a friend of mine like on Facebook posted like, he had six cameras set up within half an hour. <laughs> you know, just plugged them in and they went. What that meant though, was that the awareness for surveillance and in heightened time, surveillance is definitely um, getting more exposure. People are more comfortable with it um, because of the reality that, you know, you can access it from a mobile device. Uh, you know, that there, there becomes that from the hobbyist group, you know, approach or, you know, maybe for a camera where you can plug it in. But then when you're dealing in other projects, which is you need it outside or you need it where you don't have a power plug nearby. There's all of these other options where professional installation makes sense. But John called it. It's the analytics. It's the ability to be able to, to make sense of everything that's gone on. Because typically a surveillance system, you know, the rule of a surveillance system is you never need it when you're just sitting there looking at the camera. You really need it <laughs> at four in the morning on a Sunday or, you know, if something happens. And, and you know, we've been involved in a couple of projects where we've had to pull footage, um, you know, and being able to access and being able to identify and, um being able to track that information accurately. And, and that is something that a, a consumer-based device isn't going to be able to give you um, from a security standpoint and from a life safety standpoint. standpoint. So, you know, I, I see it as a natural progression. You know, Luma was their first foray into it. 
Um, but, you know, I mean, Snap now has their residential side and their commercial side. Mm-hmm. So there's applications where strictly for, um, you know, small businesses, this, this, you could just put in this package all by itself without necessarily dealing with any of the other parts of it. Very good. Let's uh, well, keep... If I can jump in here real quick, I, I'll, I'll say, I want to add also that what Snap AV does right now better than anyone is, is makes it easy for their dealers to buy equipment. I mean, their website to go on there and shop, it's like, it's like, going onto Amazon and shopping for equipment. Mm-hmm. And there are so many other places in this industry where you can go to purchase equipment where let's just say the experience is quite different. And, and you know, it's just, it's, it's so it's amazing to me what SnapAV has been able to do to push that forward. And so, you know, on the other side of that coin, you have Vigilant. We've talked about, is this a good acquisition for SnapAV? Well, w- what about on the other side of that coin? Is this good for Vigilant? And I think, uh, from that perspective, clearly it's a huge win. They'll get to benefit from access to, you know, SnapAV's dealer base um, and all of the convenience that comes with purchasing through SnapAV, including free two-day shipping on everything and easy returns and all of that. So I think uh, from where I sit, it's it's a win-win for both companies. Well, especially when you look at the fact that Vigilant is going from a 15-person company to becoming part of the the power that is SnapAV, it's going to be right. fantastic. This past week, there was more exciting news uh, out of Snap AV. It turned around that they were not going to rest on their laurels after their last purchase. They were going to keep buying companies. And uh, as you can see in this article, uh, they went ahead and bought Autonomic, the number one brand of media servers among high revenue integrators. This is a... Uh, a bit of a big move, if I if I can say so, for Snap, who is moving into you know distributed audio, and not only just any distributed audio, but Autonomic, who you know has been known for quite a while as probably the number one standalone uh, distributed audio, high end audio company. Jeremy. Is this a is this Snap just continuing to try and dominate the market and go after every little niche that it does not already have, um, or is this them picking up a company that that really fits their true their true core core system? Um, well, I spoke to um, the folks at uh, Snap AV uh, on both their recent acquisitions. Uh, they're two weeks ago, I believe, or three weeks ago, they, they acquired Vigilant, um, which is that uh, security brand that uh, mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, complementary to their already existing security products. And what they seem to be going back to every time, or both times I've spoken to them, is the Sunbright TV acquisition mm-hmm. a year ago. And I think that one kind of, I don't know for a fact how that played out, but it seems like perhaps that one was an opportunity they couldn't refuse. It was a, a situation that was sort of presented to them. They jumped on it back then. And it was a proof of concept that they now can acquire companies and integrate them very successfully into their um, ecosystem. And instead of creating products and matching them for their own you know, product, creating their own product lines, which is a challenge for any company, they can get a whole cloth product in their arsenal in a category that they don't have already represented 
and this is a, a category that's was missing from from their lineup um, was presented as an opp opportunity they must have good uh, cash on hand to be able to make this kind of a purchase but I don't know if it's going to continue there's how many more products I don't you could look and see what what are they missing um, I haven't really analyzed that but I think if, if the opportunity affords that, they, they've, they've decided this is a successful way of growing their um, capabilities for sure. Um, and much easier than trying to create their own product from scratch. Very true. Tim, as this comes to fruition and, and as this plays out over the next couple of months, when we start to see this being available from, from Snap directly, is this something that, you know, it's obviously going to affect dealers in a couple of ways. If you currently buy from Snap, uh, or for us through their distributor up here, it's going to give you access to Autonomic, which you may or may not have had before, which, you know, again, gives you that, that ability to bring a, a true wired solution at a price point that hits most of the, the wireless systems that are out there. Um, you know, they, they've got a, a system that goes up against the big S system. Um, fairly effectively in a wired traditional uh, uh, platform. What does this mean to those integrators who are now looking at it saying, hey, I, I can now add Autonomic to my, to my repertoire? Well, it's a, great, it's a great help for them. Uh, and that's one of the things that we, and, and Jeremy's talked to integrators as well over the last say, two years, right? With all these different M&As and mergers and acquisitions about getting access to new product. Um, the, this one specifically, um, Autonomics is, is a really good company. They've got a long track record. Their, their products are pretty solid and it's going to give folks who are currently in the snap AV ecosystem. If you didn't have access to Autonomic, yeah, you know, the, you, you can make the argument that there's not a whole lot of them out there, but if you didn't, it's going to give you access and in, an in, in introduction to their product line. What it does though, is it, is it takes folks who maybe stagnant or you get caught in a rut of using the same product over and over again and it gives you new eyes and it may be a new perspective on a, on a product that you either haven't had the chance to use yet or just haven't given it given it a chance and it gives you a good reason to try it out because hey you know suddenly I have access to it you know what the heck let's try it either bring it in house in our own little test lab or you know try out on a job now one thing that I think kind of gets overlooked when, when these purchases come through is currently, you know, Autonomic was sold through independent reps and rep distributors. What does this mean for them, especially if this was one of their primary brands? Sorry. <laughs> that, that, I mean, <laughs> there are, I, mean, I, I, I don't mean to be flipped. This is people's business. You're that gonna, sounded pretty flip. It, it, it was, I didn't mean to be. But you're going to have contracts that you have to honor through a certain amount of time. Once those contracts are up, though, there is a better than chance than not that they will not be renewed. Uh, simply because it, it's a different, you know, Snap AV has a different business model than going through going through uh, rep firms. Um, the one thing that, that I looked at in, in looking at up this story this weekend, Snap AV is not a publicly held company. Uh, it's a privately held uh, LLC. So they're looking to expand their base and, and their offerings, uh, like Jeremy said, 
but not necessarily through developing their own products. They're finding products that fill a niche, that fill a need that they have and adding it to their stable. Um, it's not like uh, we talked about a couple of weeks ago with Harman and, and, and Samsung. You, know, you, you, you increase shareholder value, you keep shareholders excited uh, by growing through acquisition, right? The same, same talk we had about AVISPL and, and picking up the, the group out of, out of the West Coast. You, you increase shareholder value and you grow through acquisition. This is not that necessarily. This is growing through acquisition, but it's not necessarily for the shareholders. It's for the other end of that. It's for your clientele. It's for your dealers, the folks who are looking to you for solutions. Snap AV is, is taking a step back, it looks like, and saying, okay, there are some areas that we don't necessarily have a solution for. Let's go get it, right? And Jeremy's right. It's a lot easier. It's a lot faster to go out and get a company that's already doing it well, purchasing them and adding them to your stable rather than doing the R&D and developing it on your own. Well, and especially when you look at the fact that by doing this, they're just bringing more options to their dealer base. They're expanding that dealer base. And Jeremy, one of the things that I found very interesting about this is because they already have their smart home as a service platform and Autonomic has its, once they merge that, is that going to, that, that really should just be a beneficial aspect to the sale for the dealer. Because again, once these two clouds come together, you instantly have all of this available through the app without the dealer, like myself, having to program something and, and design an interface. Yeah, not to mention, I mean, everyone, uses Snap AV's ordering platform, their their portal, as as the model for how things should be done in the future in, in this business. Um, you know, granted the, you take the rep out of the equation, that's bad for certain people's, you know, livelihoods, but it's the process of ordering alone is just such a benefit for Snap AV uh, dealers that I think that this is going to become just a more organic process to, to include in, in jobs. Um, and then on the autonomics side, they, they said to me that they're looking to do new things. And this is, you know, basically giving them more money to work with to, to create new products. And they're keeping that team together, at least for now, you know, mergers and acquisitions, it's always a hard thing, you know, from, you know, uh, you, you try to blend these companies together and there's always some kind of a conflict and the entrepreneur is the, usually the per first person out the door and you, you lose the personality of that company. Um, so far, it looks like they you know, are trying to keep these companies intact and not just homogenize it into one place. You know, they're keeping their location and keeping their, their complete team. And it's only a 22 person company. It's not a huge company um, that they're adding. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's the, to go beyond what your question was, but that's the concern I have with all of these in this industry. It's just, you know, becoming this big homogenized being that doesn't have any identity that it used to have. Right. I don't think that's, hopefully that's not gonna happen here. Next up, the U.S. government tried to put into place overtime pay, even for salaried employees. A federal court ruled that that wasn't exactly the right thing to do, so we talked about it. Uh, this just was announced uh, literally minutes ago by our friend Jason Knott uh, over at CE Pro, 
a federal judge is blocking the 47,000 overtime exemption law. Uh, this was set to take effect December 1st to raise the threshold, if you don't know about this. Uh, so everybody who is making uh, less than 47,000, you'd have to pay overtime to. Uh, this is, uh, as I said, blocking it and dropping, you know, keeping it at the, the existing level of 23 and a half. So, uh, Josh, it, or sorry, Alex, is this a, is this a really big deal for integrators? Um, I think so. I mean, fortunately, I'm on the manufacturing side. So for my employees, um, we're, we're not necessarily going to be hit too directly by this. Uh, we end up paying engineering salaries quite often. So prices are way above that threshold most of the time. <laughs> um, but for, for a lot of the integrators we work with, it's certainly something that's being discussed. And, you know, it's, um, it, it's, it's, I, I think this announcement's good. But what the announcement is talking about, right, is rectifying what I think would be bad for the industry. Very good. Richard, you've been, you've been in the biz a long, long time. Um, sure, you've had your experiences with, you know, techs and, and entry-level guys that are making this sub, you know, 47,000 range. Is this, is this better for the, uh, for the owner uh, or ownership, or is this going to be better in the long run for, for the, the employees? Well, I think that the the hardest part, if you talk to any small integrator that they have, is keeping people. Um, they spend a whole lot of time training them. They spend a whole lot of time getting them up and running. And then invariably, I mean, I remember I, I when I broke in, I, I they got me dirt cheap. <laughs> and, and I knew it. Um, but there was a certain point where my skill set allowed me to reach a different income threshold. Um, but that wasn't necessarily something that somebody else might have available to them. And so I, you know, here's the West Coast Five thing again, you know, I mean, but in, 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 in terms of the equity, in terms of maintaining a workforce, and especially here in California, I mean, our cost of living is so ridiculous that, um, you know, th this doesn't necessarily apply just because of where we are in the Bay Area. In other parts of the country, I could see it being, um, people are being affected. I mean, our, our labor rate and our, our, uh, technician rates and our salaries are obviously commensurate with the cost of living here, which is obviously quite different than maybe somewhere in the South or, or in the Midwest. Um, you know, in the major metropolitan areas, which is where a, a large part of our industry is focused, um, I don't know if it's going to be as, um, uh, as, as much of a huge impact, but I think in the smaller markets, yeah, this is something definitely to look out for. And it's going to cause a lot of the employers to, well, and more importantly, and, and I think better run their businesses better. I mean, this has been the natural evolution about running your business better and maturing as a business. And part of that is maintaining, um, you know, a qualified and, and well compensated workforce. Tim, as somebody who is based in the Midwest, mm -hmm. where, you know, as Rich just said, this may be more applicable, it... You know, obviously, when they brought this out, there was a lot of noise in the in the industry about how this was going to affect uh, the bottom line and affect dealers. Is this something where the the salary cap numbers that they're that they were using were out of line, or is it something where they should have split the difference? Uh, oh, wow, split the difference. So the 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 mark that they were setting at that the, the federal rule set at. at was forty seven thousand that you know just below fifty thousand. Um, I still remember my first job. 
um, 20, 25 years ago. I barely made this, the minimum, minimum it's at now, 23,000, right? Um, you know, we are very inexpensive in the Midwest. I have come to find out over the last five or 10 years um, <laughs> in talking with buddies like Rich Fergoes and talking to our, our friend, uh, George Tucker and, and uh, Chris Netto out in New Jersey and New York. Yes, we're incredibly inexpensive. However, finding a, a decent tech that is, is going to put you right in that middle if you want to split the difference. So quick math, 23 to, to, to 47 is is roughly $24,000 uh, difference. So you got $12,000 there. So it's going to put you just shy, just south 35. of 40 grand. That's going to be the average, you know, entry level tech um, and, and, you know, some beginning design engineer jobs here mm-hmm. um, and even some pro- beginning programming jobs. So you're still going to have a good swath of your workforce that's going to be affected if you if you they do split the difference, as you said, and around the thirty five, thirty six thousand dollar mark. So I guess my biggest question coming out of this is, you know, is this something that is just hard for and, and anybody can answer this? Is this something that's just going to no matter what they do with it? Uh, make it harder on the employers or is it going to be a hindrance to onboarding new employees? I don't think it should be a hindrance to onboarding new employees. I think what it is, is it gives employers a little bit more pause maybe when they're, when they're bringing people up through the ranks and giving them an increase. Um, You look at, at what they're saying in this federal law, anybody that makes this salary or not, anybody Mm -hmm. that makes this, gets overtime. Um, I've been salaried for a good portion of my career, never got overtime, right? Regardless of, of anything. And so if, you know, the, 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 you know, two or three jobs ago that I had, they would be forced then to give me overtime regardless of whether I was salaried or not. And last but not least, one of our regular guests, Stephen Bronner is, uh, informed right before we do the episode that Harmon has just been bought by Samsung. All right, let's kick this off. Uh, with kind of the story that everybody's talking about. If you haven't heard, this is kind of a big deal. I'm not breaking anything. But if you haven't heard, Samsung, our favorite manufacturer of explosive phones, is buying Harman, our favorite manufacturer of big, massive speakers and lighting and all kinds of goodies. The uh, I think the largest... or not independent, but the largest AV company in the world has just been bought by, or in in the pro AV market, I should say, has just been bought by Samsung. This is a, this is a huge deal. They're buying them for $8 billion. They are planning to run them as a subsidiary uh, for the foreseeable future. And they're paying uh, about 28% over the existing stock price. So if you look back to the start of the year, uh, Harman was trading around 61, and as of end of day yesterday, it was around 112. So a huge, huge increase over the last year. Uh, but B, um, a just a massive, massive shift. I, I don't think I can underestimate how large of a shift this is for our industry. Now, the the one thing I will say is that we in the industry, obviously, we we love Harman for things like, you know, JBL, things like Crown Amps, things like Martin Lighting. The rest of the world does not know Harman for those those products. 
Huh? I was going to say, don't forget AMX as well. <laughs> AMX well, yeah, and AMX SBSI. And, yeah, no, no, no. All those, all the brand, BSS, all the guys under their their umbrella. But they're not well known for that to the general populace. And this is what Samsung has gone after. Samsung has essentially bought Harman because it gets their foot in the door to the automotive industry. Uh, Harman has last year had what was it? $3 billion of their, their sales. Uh, that percentage was all automotive and they had 24 billion in back orders. Like it, it's absolutely insane. Um, Steven, what does this as a residential dealer, what does this sale, uh, when it goes through, uh, potentially in, in a couple of months, what does this mean for you? For those of you not wa- not watching, Stephen just put I up a quit. poster that said "WTF." I quit. I quit. That's what it means. I, I freaking quit. Like, I, I applaud you for year, helping us maintain our rating, though. Thank you. Earlier, earlier That's fantastic. Year, my package got bought by another company. I about had a meltdown. <laughs> now you are telling me that the king of race to the bottom TV prices has bought. A premium quality line like Harman just wow. absolutely floors me. Okay, hang on for a second, and I, I'll get to what what, what I'm going to say in a second. But Samsung is not raced to the bottom. There are so many more people ahead of them on the race to the bottom. Come, I, the, okay. Hawaii, um, Vizio, come on. Well, now, okay, they're not so Panasonic or Pioneer from years ago. But they're not race to the bottom. Right. But I'll put it to you like this. When it comes to our industry, I only focus on what affects us. Okay. Of all the TV lines that we can carry, our lowest profit margin is on Samsung. Hmm. If you can buy it in Best Buy for $1,100, my cost on it is $10. (laughs) Yeah, it's about $10,080. Yeah. So when I say race to the bottom, I mean, as far as profits go, you're right. They're, they're not the cheapest TVs on the market. I mean, you know, there will always be a Vizio, but there is what you do have to think about is, you know, what affects our industry that affects our industry. I hear a lot of guys say, I don't even sell TVs anymore. Well, they do that because brands like Samsung have made it where it's not worth our time to sell TVs. You know, there was a time whenever it was worth it, Panasonic, pioneer things of that nature but right now it's not really worth our time anymore to sell it and that's why a lot of people stop selling tvs so now i have a line like Harmon, which is a high quality extremely valuable line i mean like you said akg soundcraft um um crown audio um jbl speakers you're talking about a huge variety of and all quite profitable lines too very profitable and that's my concern so they say they're going to run it as a subsidiary which is which is great but everybody says that so nobody wants to buy a company and then come right out and say oh and by the way we're going to trash a lot now now keep keep in mind that when you look at the numbers the the reason that samsung went after them is because samsung's been trying to get into that automotive infotainment market and this is 
this is the way to do it is you oh, buy yeah. arguably the largest single source supplier of infotainment systems to the automotive industry they they run brands like um land rover jaguar mercedes bmw they're in audis uh i can yeah. go on v-dub um they're they're gigantic just for people who are listening just for people who are listening to this and don't know what we're talking about uh when you see mark levinson that's Harmon. that's Harmon. so even, so even they're they're even licensing the bno line and right. uh they hope so, um, yeah. and i'm blanking on the other big line uh BNO no they're actually and, licensing the Harmon name some of it is well, licensed Harmon. yeah Oh yeah, and so no, it, it, they're they're one of the biggest players in that game. Right now, where this becomes entertaining from the from the automotive side, and then then Tim will get your your thoughts on it. Is Apple's been trying to make a push for this for for quite a while, and and one of you know the story we're using on this is <clears throat> excuse me from CNBC with uh, Matt Money and Jim Cramer. He said back in January that Apple should pony up $9 billion and buy Herman. And some of us got excited when that was announced because Apple buys a lot of stuff and I'd love to see them play in this game. But Tim, give us your thoughts in general, but then follow it up with your thoughts on Apple's supposed push for the, for the automotive market now that Herman is owned by Samsung. So I'm I'm gonna try to be very very careful here because we've we've got two weekly shows. A bunch of the guys got online last night. I am night. stealing as much possible. Well, no, no. Here's the thing. I'm gonna try to focus on. Friday I'm gonna show. try to focus I'm on the on the residential side. Um, <laughs> you know, you and and, and Coxon and Tucker no, and, and I want Neto, your Friday show. A bunch of folks uh, did a really good job of doing some immediate feedback last night as well. So residential and and, and home people, right? I would make a, a, an argument to say that, that there are some people out there who, who do know who Harman is. There's a Harman Cardon uh, speakers out there, Bluetooth as well as, as, as uh, consumer products. Yep, um, JBL headphones. Yep, and, absolutely, yep. JBL headphones. Uh, you know, you've got a, a lot of folks that, and they're starting, they're pushing more and more into this over the last few years. Um, this is going to open up, it, and I, I would, I'm, I'm going to be interested to watch this and, and talk to folks like Stephen and you guys, and you guys. Um, Matt, to see if this helps or hurts those margins, Stephen. Because one thing that Harman has done as a corporation is they package their deals, right? They, they have packaged their products. If you buy a, a Crown Amp and JBL speakers and an AMX system, you're going to get margin off, right? You're going to get some some leeway to play with. 4%. Okay, whatever, whatever it is. And, and your, yours may be different. So, again, you know. Um, oh, okay. yeah. But you're going to get some percentage points off if you package together a deal. How much better and how much more incentive would it be then to suddenly be given a line of Samsung or be given access to that line where today you don't, where today, you, like, like Steven said, you don't make money off of that. Um, now, that's me looking through rose-colored glasses. I think it's very possible. I think it's, it's, it's even probable especially as Samsung walks down this road and, and they, they you know start talking with the folks at Harman and looking into the dealer channel. The, so here, here's on that point, here's where it gets more fun. Think in that channel, think in that line. Think about the connected device capability of a Samsung TV 
and a Samsung Blu-ray player. Now think about adding that technology and merging that technology with a Harman Kardon receiver. Or an AMX processor. Or an AMX processor. Or a using AMX power behind your Samsung remote. I'll I'll do do one better for you. How about putting an SVSI uh, receiver built into a Samsung display? Yeah. And then that takes their commercial display line, which again, I'm stealing your Friday stuff, (laughs) (laughs) and makes it a fantastic off-the-shelf instant plug-and-play compatibility. That one-wire plug-and-play compatibility Mm -hmm. that we've been thinking about and asking for for what 10 years something like that so here everything here's... everything that we wanted hdmi to be is now possible with potentially an svsi endpoint on a samsung display mm-hmm. built in built in without without built in. so the other the other side of this is the negative side right the the glass half empty side samsung and Harman have both had issues over the last year when it comes to security and product uh rollouts Samsung, obviously, the fact that you can't even carry a Samsung Note 7 onto a plane would be an issue. Or one of their washing machines. Or, or one of their washing machines. Harman, of those are bad. Harman, um, their infotainment system has been hacked and, and controlled. Um, and and uh, almost this time last year was when the AMX uh, story with the back door uh, came, was started, to, started to come out a little bit. That was more 1st of January, but this is when they were starting doing some of the testing. So both companies have had some serious PR issues over the last year. It'll be very, very interesting to watch how they handle that going forward. Well, um, I'm glad that you're able to look at it through rose-colored glasses, and and that's really awesome. Um, (laughs) I I admire that about you. Bring Uh, us down. Bring us down, Stephen. You're my hero. So... um, on the flip side of that, you and I have had this conversation a few times that you don't sell product. True. You're not, you don't sell. And e- so even, from, even, even in my working world, I, I, I was a programmer. So, right. So, so from a person who sells product and has actually had to watch those margins and, and those things, I can tell you that, um, just like I referred to package earlier, um, Control 4 vault package, and the first thing they said was, we're not going to touch the line. We're not doing anything with the line. And next thing I know, they're dropping all the prices. Now, a lot of people say, well, that's good. That means more people can have it. The problem is, is now when I need support on a package product, the wait times are longer because now you've got more people that have it that don't have the experience. So, so now there's a... It's now, a to counter that story. point, though, or, or to at least make a comment on that point, you're also talking two dramatically different scaled companies, size-wise. Right. So, but what a- you know, Package and Control 4, they could make that shift fairly quickly, whereas right. with Harman and Samsung, that's going to take some time. You're not going to move that will. ship that quickly. It, it will, and, and you are absolutely 100% correct. It will take time. I guess the cynic, and, and normally I have a really nice outlook on things. I try to be real positive, but the cynic in me has already had to go through this once this year, and this just 
here's another line. And to be honest with you, I just got off the phone with a guy who I'm designing a system for him. I do uh, consulting around the country. And I just talked him into go and Harmon. And one of the reasons why was because of the product, the, 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 the profit margin and the quality of the product. Now quality is first always, but we were talking about other products that are quality and, and we ended up going the Harmon route because of the multi-line discounts that Tim spoke of and some other discounts that we get as direct dealers and the fact that we can make money on it and sell a quality product. So I, I don't have a problem necessarily with Samsung buying them. I just, I see all these acquisitions happening and I see everybody say, we're not going to touch the line. And when was the last time you were in a room full of executives? people that were able to make it to the point where they're an executive in a company like Samsung and there weren't enough egos in the room to want to touch everything in there. I mean, seriously, think about it. We've got a, we've got a president, we've got a president now that, that was talking about how he had the power to do, to grab a woman. You know, these are high ego people. They are not going to leave this line alone because if they leave it alone, then it makes it look like they have no control over it. So hopefully they will. Hopefully they will, but man, can you, I just, so here's, it's crazy to me. It's just, it, it's crazy to me. I wish they would have bought well, Lowe's. Okay. Now, ju now ju just, just so we put everything in context, Steven did not know this until five minutes ago before we told him is, right before yeah, we were on the air. So, so he's dealing with some sticker shock. Yes. He's been underwater with a, with a project. Um, so here, here's my last question on this topic before we let it go. Given, you know, Tim, your your very sunny view on this acquisition, and Stephen, given your possibly darker view on it, what is the likelihood that Samsung being the behemoth that it is, and if all the reports are true, that it, it went after Harman strictly for the automotive side and the potential IoT CE side of things? What's the likelihood that Samsung really doesn't mess with the with the pro AV side? Because honestly, they just don't care. Uh, Steven says zero. <laughs> can't, can't see that. And it, it was a big fat zero to be to be specific. If you're not watching the stream, I just you know our we deal with the top one to two percent income earners on a daily basis. I, you get to know these people, you get to know how they think, you get to admire how they think, you see them make a living and make a fortune out of nothing sometimes. And But one thing I have known to be consistent is they want to touch everything. They want to be involved. They You, you can't just hand them something like that and then not look at it and go, how can I improve this? Well, Harmon got to where it is. You bought them because they were great. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. Don't touch it. You know, and, and I think the best way I can sum this up is from everyone's, from a great movie, you're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. All right. <laughs> I, I'll make this very short, sweet, and to the point. There's a very good possibility that Samsung really did just want it from the infotainment side. Matt mentioned the fact that there's $24 billion in backlog. That is for the, the, the car division. There's also a very good possibility that we're going to see, you know, a Crown booth again, a JBL booth again a mm -hmm. AMX booth again. Be and then what I'm saying is there's a very good chance that Samsung may sell off those pieces that they either don't understand or don't have any use for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very, very possible. 
as Stephen goes into a bigger meltdown. That's it for us here at Resi Week. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a new show for us, a new foray into the residential market. We have lots of folks at, at, at AVU Nation that live and breathe inside the, the residential uh, market. Matt Scott, Stephen Brauner, Todd Puma, Richie Fergoza. So this is a show where they can kind of shine along with our regular guests and our special guests that, that come in from time to time. So thank you so much for, for making this such a successful show. Coming up next year, we have lots of stuff going on. We'll be going to ISE and covering the residential side of, of, of ISE, obviously Cedia, and a whole lot more. So thank you so much for listening. For all of us here at AV Nation, happy holidays, happy new year. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for the successful first first year of this show. Uh, for more information about us and AV Nation, you can go to avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. This has been Resi Week. Thank you.